Hi, everybody, and welcome to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less, we hope. I am Lisa Linky, and I am one half of your hosting team. And today... I am without my other better half, Misty Stinnett, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. But if you're joining us for the very first time, welcome. And if you're joining us as a longtime loyal listener, our LLLs, welcome back. But this is the podcast where we read and review a popular self-help book and tell you the highs, the lows, the tips, the tricks, the ins, the outs, the a's, the nays, the whoops, the boos, all the good stuff. And of course, anything that we find problematic in under an hour so that you know whether or not it's a good investment. If you want to support the author and buy the book, or if this is a flaming dumpster fire that you should avoid at all costs, they're out there, believe me, but not today. Spoiler alert. <laughs> we, we cuss. This is an explicit podcast because that's, we're ladies and we fucking talk how we want. I think that's about it. And this is a Friday episode. On Tuesdays, we follow up with a mini-sode. We lovingly call our weekly beef where we'll check in on any homework or maybe have a special guest or maybe like do some trivia. But today, again, is a full frontal Friday. And I'm so excited because I have a special guest. (sighs) Ladies and gentlemen, people of all genders, please welcome our very special guest today, author of the book, Body Kindness, Transform Your Health from the Inside Out and Never Say Diet Again, Rebecca Scratchfield. Hi. (laughs) I mean, I said your name so high because I got so excited. It's Rebecca Scratchfield. Hooray. Welcome. Hoping not to be the flaming dumpster fire. <laughs> Listen, if everybody should know I was on Rebecca's uh, Body Kindness podcast and I'll put a link to that episode in show notes. And we had such a fun time chatting. And to be fair, we are starting this recording session 20 minutes before, after when we scheduled <laughs> because we could not stop gabbing. And she sent me her book and um, the inscription. I just want you all to know is hilarious. She wrote... Lisa, hopefully you won't hate this one. <laughs> Love, I listen I to your podcast. It. I know that you can really rake authors over the coals if they deserve it. So I was like, very nervous. Well, you've you. fallen into my trap and appeared. No, just kidding. You know that I... I'm going to love this book and people will learn why because you are also a fan of health at every size. And so we're going to get into that. But I want to tell everybody a little bit about you and I'm going to read your bio. So get ready for me to just fangirl. Here we go. Rebecca Scritchfield is a well-being coach, registered dietitian, nutritionist, ACSM certified exercise physiologist and author of the book, Body Kindness, Transform Your Health from the Inside Out and Never Say Diet Again, which Publishers Weekly calls, quote, a rousing guide to better health and the New York Times Books Review called, quote, simple and true. Mm, They cut right to the core. (laughs) Through her weight-inclusive body kindness counseling practice, Rebecca helps people reject diets and body shame to create a better life with workable, interesting self-care goals to fit individuals' needs and preferences, not society's unrealistic weight and beauty standards. Let that one sink in on you, everybody. Rebecca has influenced millions through her writing, podcast, workshops, and appearances in over 100 media outlets, including NBC Nightly News, CNN, The Today Show, O Magazine, Oh My God, (laughs) Real Simple, Time, and many others. She's a freelance writer for The Washington Post and Self Magazine, an advisor to Health Magazine, and diversity dietetics, and a mom of two young girls. She lives in Washington, D.C., where she was recognized as one of 10, quote, 
Supermom Entrepreneurs in the Nation's Capital and named as a 2020 Very Well Top 10 Champion of Nutrition for promoting healthy living messages that are accessible, inclusive, and actionable for all. I mean, what's it like to be awesome? (laughs) You tell me. (laughs) It's funny, when you were reading it, I was like, pre-COVID, pre-COVID. I know. Super mom, that's not what I feel like right now, but I'm trying. (laughs) Well, first of all, how is the pandemic for you? Oh, gosh. So... I have this interesting relationship to it. At first, I was like, what am I going to do having the kids at home and trying to get through school virtually and all that? And, you know, March, it was like two weeks. And I knew it wasn't going to be two weeks because one of my clients actually worked in disaster preparedness. And she told me in February when I went on vacation, she's like, enjoy. It's going to be your last one. She's like, I don't want to ruin your life, but I'm telling you. So but enjoy it. Yeah. It's the last thing you'll it's enjoy the last for a fun year. You'll have in 2020. <laughs> and given, yeah, the state of everything, she was not lying. Anyway, you know, I would say the highlight of it is certainly a challenge in so many ways. And, you know, I have so many other privileges that other people don't have, in, including an economic privilege that I just I cannot ignore has been an amazing way to help me and help support my girls' emotional well-being and riding these waves. And I had one thought when all the extracurriculars were canceled. I was like, so you're telling me I'm now free from three till eight most days of the week. But free, you know, I'm getting kids Means at home. I'm free to now entertain my children <laughs> exactly. from three to eight p.m. <laughs> yeah. So so there were some, you know, adjustments where it's like, I love not being in my car. There was a long window where I didn't drive anywhere. In addition to the to the privilege of just being able, you know, when possible, kind of throwing money at my different problems just to get through it all, whether that's convenient, you know, help from the grocery store or finding anything that was happening online. And it didn't matter if it had, you know, $20 a kid or free, you know, I didn't have to even have that barrier. And so I think it's really important to to acknowledge that. And the I do too. Yeah. And thank you for acknowledging yeah, that. Yeah. The the other, if I had to look at the the glass half full side of it sure. was just I had already been through this period of after breaking out in five rashes all over my body, realizing that it was anxiety. Thank you to my doctor. That was a year ago this summer where when all that happened. And so I was coming into COVID, kind of being more in touch with my anxiety than ever before, feel, feeling things in my body and, what a know, joy for you. and knowing what to do, right? <laughs> so like go on a walk, you know, so kind of, kind of going, being able to go out, you know, and just yeah. get a short walk. Even I'd push my girls, you know, they're six and seven and I would take one of them and they would hop in the jogger stroller, barely fitting in. And we would just walk and get the fresh air and, you know, play wicked on my phone and sing defying gravity and just pretend, you know, that it. everything was okay. So All that is to say that a lot of my clients, first of all, a lot of them, clients went away because of financial reasons and people are really being hit hard. And the ones who could still stay, I had a number of healthcare workers where we were seeing anxiety and eating disorder issues escalate and new forms, OCD. So it's like, there's a lot of suffering with the pandemic. And there's something that people are feeling called 
called anticipatory grief. And it feels like trauma, but it's like anticipating, I'm going to get sick, somebody else is going to sick, does that? And you ruminate. I feel so fortunate that in wherever my path has been up until this point, that it's it's never, not even in writing body kindness, I swear I was talking to myself half the book, <laughs> but it's like I had enough resources to shore up my sort of I can handle this stress resilience. And so emotional journey and then those financial resources that are crucial that is helping me ride the wave. So I, you know, I'm doing better than many other people, all things considered in both physical and emotional health, I would say. So longtime listeners and new guests, you you can tell why I love Rebecca because she's intersectional by nature. She acknowledges the privileges that she has and is aware that not everybody has them. And she's emotionally aware, emotionally intelligent, and doesn't, you know, spew this good vibes only bullshit. Because it's, you know, as we covered and the upside of our, of your dark side, which is a book that we loved, your quote unquote negative emotions. I don't think they're negative. They're just emotions. They're not pleasant to experience, but they're there for a reason. And you talk about that in your book too. You really give, you're, you're helping give your readers permission to experience every emotion. They're there for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's so lovely. Well, I really relate to a lot of what you're saying. I have no children. <laughs> I am not economically stable at the moment because so many people in LA and my line of business are just, we've been out of work for months. We don't know when we'll go back. I do relate to the idea of anticipatory grief because one of my dogs passed away in, in February, in late February, right before this started. So like I had been grieving him going, he was very old, he was a dream. So I'd been kind of grieving for like a month and a half before the pandemic really started in earnest and we were in Safer at Home. So yeah, I feel like I had a little bit of a head start on a lot of people. And I acknowledge my privilege of, as we were talking about before we started recording, like I live alone and I don't have children. Like, and what a luxury that is compared to so many people. So it's a mixed bag for everybody, I think. And I just, you know, thank God we're healthy and sane at this point. Although <laughs> who knows about the second <laughs> 2020 is not over yet. So No, I call it the pandemic trifecta. When I email, I'm like, I hope this email finds you healthy, safe, and sane. Mm. That's the pandemic trifecta. <laughs> okay, so just real quickly, we always go over book prices. Um, this was released in 2016. The paperback, these are based on Amazon, although there will be a link to bookshop.org in show notes. Paperback is $13.99, Kindle is $9.99, and Audible $34.99 narrated by the author mm. herself. Mm. Okay, so just to give everybody a heads up, the book is in four parts and they're titled part one, what you do, part two, how you feel, part three, who you are, and part four, where you belong. And then there's some acknowledgements and you have a lovely section called what I've learned, as well as an introduction. I'm going to spend a little time in the introduction, but then I just kind of want to talk a little more broadly. But basically, each of these parts is covering body kindness and it's three pillars and like what you do, how you feel, who you are and where you belong or how you are giving us insight on how to implement these pillars of body kindness. So if you could tell us, what is this book about in one sentence? So you think you're at your diet rock bottom and you don't ever want to diet again and you're saying, but, but what about my health? What do I do now? This book is going to help you figure it all out. I love that. 
That's kind of two sentences. So, Sorry, but <laughs> I love it. I'm with you. Yeah. You're the author. You get to say whatever <laughs> you want. I was thinking, here's my pitch for one sentence that if you would like an opportunity out of diet culture, this is a roadmap. Mm. Mm. Yes. I Some love people that. Are like diet culture. What's that? <laughs> oh, that's like asking a fish how the water is. <laughs> Okay, so how did you come to body kindness? Because you are a registered dietitian and you formerly had clients and you share so lovely in the book about an experience. But I I guess, what was this shift in thinking for you? It was away from regimented like calories and exercise to body kindness. Mm -hmm. Yep. I would say this sort of, the urgency came about when I made the connection that when I was nine years old, I was like, oh, my heart's beating and one day it's not. <gasps> Better take care of yourself. And what I learned, right, <laughs> what that was. This little nine-year-old, I feel <laughs> so much empathy for her. Yes, I, my daughter's actually pretty kind of death obsessed too. And so, oh, yeah. you know, I was like, yeah, I told the girls, I have bad news. It's about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I and Isla goes, did she die? And, I, and A, <laughs> she's dressed as Ruth Bader Ginsburg for Dress as Your Favorite Book Character every year um, since Aww. preschool. And yeah, so we are over here. We are dissenting, reading I Dissent every night and morning and all that, but going into how, how, how I came to it. So I really felt cheated when I hit this rock bottom and there were three things that pretty much all happened within a several month span. One was I had somehow got into marathons. It's a long story, but suffice it to say that I told myself that if I was going to be a good dietitian, I needed to get a good oh marathon time. Stupid. Sure, that that stands to reason. <laughs> so I did South Beach. When I look Beach. for a dietitian, the first thing I look is I look at their marathon time. Probably nobody's going to hire me after this or buy the book. But I'm just going to tell the truth, right? If you can't be honest now, whatever. This was how I got to, I can't, I can't do this. So of course, you know, my last diet was South Beach, right? So the one thing runners need is like carbohydrate fuel. And here oh I'm craving God, like Rebecca. strawberries and, you know, fruit, whatever. But nope, phase one, eat all the ricotta cheese and cashews you want, but don't you touch a piece of fruit. Oh my God, your legs were like, what the fuck Yeah, they were like jello as I'm devouring, like my spoon is hitting the bottom of the container of the ricotta and- I actually did not finish that marathon. I, I collapsed between mile 25 and 26. Three runners actually <gasps> saved my life. Oh, Rebecca, I didn't know oh, this. Yeah. I, it's, well, it's kind of, I didn't tell the whole story in the book. See, uh, okay. you kind of get these some more details. But yeah, mm-hmm. I woke up in an ice bath and my temperature went to 107. And um, <gasps> the do- it was the Marine Corps marathon. So I'm surrounded by oh, members of God. the military. And I see someone on a walkie-talkie saying my name and talking about my body temperature and I'm waking up and they're like, we can't find the husband. I'm like, my husband's right here. And they're like, ma'am, I'm not your husband. I was like, are you guys interns? They're like, ma'am, we're doctors. So I saw them. I'm like, they're trying not to laugh at me, but they're so laughing at me. So I had that thought. And then the next thought I had was, how are you taking my temperature if I can talk to you? And I just go, oh, <laughs> And I sunk further into the ice bath, just mortified. I can laugh about it now, but suffice it to say, that was traumatic for me. I was like, what are you doing? You are a helping professional. What are you doing? That along with 
clients who were helping on, oh, I can't believe I did this. This is what I talked about in the book. I wish I could refund the yeah. money. Healthy weight management, similar things, putting on armbands, the things that the biggest loser ended up using. I was using yeah. when they only had clinical device. And I thought in my heart, I'm helping people because it's data. Well, of course. It's monitoring. That was, the, it's that was the mindset of the it's, time. I mean, look at Fitbit and everything now. They're hugely popular. Mm-hmm. This was pre, mm-hmm. pre, pre all that. And um, I'd have clients crying. Oh, I don't understand. I, I gained weight. I think it was the pizza I have my husband. And I was like, I am harming people. I straight up said, you are harming people. What are you doing? You're trying to help, but you're harming. And then the third was with, with my mom. She had a heart attack from behind the wheel of a car. And I tell that story and she is alive and with us. But I tell a deeper version of the story about how I really discovered what I blame with her is her chronic dieting. And she actually had an eating disorder that was hidden for years. We didn't have healthcare growing up, you know, economically disadvantaged. And so that is kind of all those things came together. And what I said in my sentence was what I wrote because I was sitting there. I knew that me helping people had to be something more meaningful. And I was ready to like burn all my degrees and just get out of the helping profession. I had heard about intuitive eating. I had done some supervision with Evelyn Tribbley, who's one of the co-creators of intuitive eating. And I had heard from a dietitian who is now retired. Her name's Marsha Hudnall. And she said, have you ever heard about something called health at every size? And when I read the principles, I was like, I love this. So I joined ASDA in like 2007 and just lurked on the listserv. And so I was lurking on the listserv and I was like, okay, we have intuitive eating. We have health at every size. I was like, what is really missing? And I was like, we don't have like guiding values around well-being. We call it health, but it's actually dieting. So even before we were using the words diet culture, I was like, everything I've done since I was nine was preventing weight gain or pursuing weight loss. Was dieting dieting. cloaked in the idea of health and well-being. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Rebecca, I was thinking specifically about, probably because I finished your book recently. So I was thinking about, you were talking about your mother and how you both had kind of realized your trajectory on, on life and with dieting and, but that with the marathon, boy, I, I guess as a friend, we're friends, I would say I I'm feeling a lot of compassion and empathy. And I, I really want my friend (laughs) to see what I see, which is that like you were able to see what the harm you were doing to yourself, extend it to see that you felt like you wanted to change with others and look at the joy and help you've brought into the world. Like, I hope you see that. Do you see that? You know, it takes hearing that, like exactly hearing that from you. I did kind of get a a chill going up my spine and I felt warm and spiral up. (laughs) Yes, yes. I felt that instantly. So thank you for that. And that just goes to show you how simple it is. We are making eye contact. We are resonating. That's through positive psychology. We have this resonance happening and hearing and letting myself think that right? Because the inner critic can kind of step in the room, right? Exactly. You know, when my inner critic stepped in, who's going to hire you now, you idiot? You're about to, you know? So I had to sort of be present with that critic. That's my caregiver and just say it anyway, just share anyway. I do feel it when exactly what you just said, and I do still counsel people and families. And so, so I can see it in a one-on-one setting and then in unexpected places, So I just posted in my Facebook group, like Transformation Tuesday, share a story about how your life is changing 
with body kindness. And somebody posted a photo at the beach and like jumping around with their dog. And it's like, I am really, truly celebrating being in my body. And so if my book led to that beach experience, my mind is blown. Like all the gratitude in the world for knowing that I made a difference to that person. That's wonderful. I'm glad you can see that. And I'm glad that you heard what I said. And I think it's also people who are steeped in diet culture will think that this is a book for people who want to lose weight. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so challenging because it, it's, this is what I would say. This is how I would recommend it. If you're at all interested in, you know, the book or the philosophy, everything is centered around an idea that you get to decide what body kindness is or isn't for you, and you can change it, that it's really ultimately in why there's a progression. Because ultimately at the end, my hope is that you feel that life is better and more meaningful in whatever ways you've been able to decenter the individualism aspect of health, which by the way is rooted in white supremacy. 100%. 100%. I love it. We lean in. Right, exactly. White supremacy. <laughs> because the idealized body is white and thin. White and thin. And even the idea that if we, meritocracy, right? If we just work hard enough, then we get all the rewards. Right. With no thought about genetics or body diversity, which is a beautiful thing. Right. Or, you know, aging, the fact that, that as you aging, age, when women live longer than men, it's because we gain weight between perimenopause and menopause. And that is a good thing. And what we fear about is the weight loss that happens when we're older. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We've been talking a lot about body kindness. So I'm just going to read a couple tidbits from your introduction. And you start the book with the philosophy of body kindness. And the first sentence is, what would you do if you treated your body with kindness? My co-host Misty is really good at this. She's very like aware. She's like aware when she needs to go for a run. She loves like savoring her morning coffee. That's something I love about her. Is not me. (laughs) I am, you know, Midwestern stock. We do the work till it's done damned be our muscles aching. You know what I mean? Like the body is for toiling, like that kind of mindset, you know, pampering is an afterthought. But you say everyone has a gut instinct for how to be kind to their body. And you also say health is not just measured physically. Emotional health is an equal part of the equation. And the secret to being well is treating yourself well and establishing healthful habits you can feel good about. What I love is that nowhere in there do you mention any kind of like weight chart, losing or gaining weight, because a lot of people probably who are recovering from any kind of extreme dieting might need to gain weight in order to be considered quote unquote healthy, even though saying that feels weird. Do you know what I mean? But their body, being kind to their body might mean gaining weight. Yeah, absolutely. It very well could if you've been restricting yourself. And that is a hard thing. I want to acknowledge that could be a really hard thing to hear, especially because I hold thin privilege, you know? And so it's like, okay, great. Another thin white woman. I just love yourself. (laughs) What's wrong with you? Why can't you love yourself? So I want to hold all the space to say that could be a really hard thing to hear. What What I try to connect with is, What would it look like if instead of kind of pointing that sword at yourself saying, I am the problem, right? Shame and perfectionism, also tools of white supremacy. 
and you you turn that sword outward and try to look outward at what are the different ways in which my needs weren't met that led to the thoughts and feelings I have about myself and my body and my abilities and my well-being. And that's actually a very, you're already connected to an inner caregiver just by that reframe of being open to explore, A, my preferences matter and what are they? And maybe if I don't know, experiment. But also, what if I looked at this as there are ways in my life in which my needs weren't met? And so, you know, these other parts of me kind of step in to try to keep me going. So I mentioned the inner critic, and I talk about that, you know, very briefly in the book, I talk a little bit about different parts, which actually is grounded in a whole theory of psychology called internal family systems, and it's often called parts work. I don't teach about that in there because there was an overall goal. I mean, I thought I was writing something amazing, and I'd spend two extra days, clear my calendar, go on walks, get all this stuff, and I'd see my edits back with one giant red line and the word unnecessary. And I was like, no! And she'd say, oh, sounds like social studies. But listen, but why do you love to hold the book? And why do you think the book is beautiful? Because she actually was not wrong. I don't, I did not need to teach everybody about every little detail behind why I was doing what I did. But now that we're on a podcast, right? We could say the words like inner critic, which I think that's when you talk about, you know, like the Midwestern girl and the values, right? If that is very much this, okay, if criticism is driving my thoughts and feelings, that's going to have an impact on the actions. And what we want to do in just beginning to practice body kindness is try to connect to the inner caregiver. And that's what I mean by we all sort of have a sense to some sort of idea. And if you don't know for yourself, ask yourself what you would tell a friend, you know, then the wisdom spills out of you. (laughs) It really does. Oh God, it does. Just, I'm going to elucidate a little bit more. I think that's a word. I made it up. Mm -hmm. Body kindness is not a set of rules. It's a self-care mindset grounded in the simple belief that health begins by being good to yourself. Through body kindness, you will develop an internal compass for decision-making based on what's actually helpful as opposed to what's, quote, good or, quote, bad. What you care about most and the kind of life you want for yourself. The universal body kindness question asks, is this helping to create a better life for myself? And then you have three body kindness pillars that help you navigate this question and serve as guideposts. Love, connect, and care. And... I just thought none of those have to do with weight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so in, just so people know, and then we can talk more freely, but each chapter and each section. So each chapter starts off with, uh, so chapter one, uh, part one is what you do. Body kindness is a choice. Chapter one is about choosing body kindness. And so you start off with the body kindness pillars and how that relates to this. And then, you know, it's wonderful. There's like flow charts on things like a whole day and how, how you could use body kindness throughout the day. I wouldn't call them little chapters, but it's almost like reading a magazine, which I love because I don't feel guilty putting it down. And you have a lot of spiral up little exercises. You encourage us to keep a journal. I want to talk a little bit about the pillars. And then in the time we have left, I, I want to talk a little bit about how you decided to put the book together this way. Sure. Sure. So the pillars are created to almost give you guide rails to help you navigate 
you know, people, one thing they value about diets is diets love to give you a bunch of rules to follow. But so I kind of think of like generally in this direction. So the love pillar, make choices from a place of love, right? Psychologically speaking, love is a supreme emotion. There are all forms of feeling love, not just romantic love. And a caregiver, right, that is non-judgmental, curious, compassionate. What's happening right now? What do you need right now? You know, that's kind of, it's this practice about trying to kind of guide yourself a little bit more gently and with love. Versus fear or punishment. Yeah, yeah. And love could mean that you realize that you actually really do like broccoli when you're not trying to just steam it and keep it flavorless. And you like it roasted with butter and salt. And that, hey, it wasn't good person, bad person, whether or not you ate broccoli, but more about, I don't need to avoid broccoli. I actually like it, but a certain way or like with cheese on it. And so it's this idea that there is a way to reframe the very literal things we think of when we think of self-care. So you're engaging in this reframing. And that's what the pillars try to help you do. Briefly connect. There's two core elements of connection. And, and, and frankly, culturally, I feel like the world is getting more open to the broad sense of what I was meaning by connection. But when we start from within... Connect means very literally about forming a connection with your body. And psychologically, we would call this one's introceptive awareness. Again, a term I don't put in the book, but it's a real thing. It's your ability to sense what's going kind of on and in around your body and your emotion regulation. Yeah, right. Yeah, percent. I have my my headache is right here on this place in my head versus like. Just not even paying attention or not giving yourself the gift of paying attention to your body yes. or being so disconnected from your body that you can't decipher those things. Yes. And back to when you mentioned about that, be the workhorse and get it in. To be able to pause, to notice, you know, I really feel physically tired. It's not my normal bedtime. I'm not really sure how I feel about naps, but I do have permission to rest. So with that slight knowledge that lying down and regulating your breath, if you're breathing, you're meditating. So it could be that you take, let me start with five minutes and you play ocean waves and you let yourself lay down and you just breathe in and out and you listen to the waves and you undulate your breath with the waves. I mean, I feel super connected because last night I laid in bed for an hour and I was having anxiety. I tried to control it all day. I couldn't. And I laid down at 11 and I was like, you know, I'm getting up early and I'm having this really awesome uh, recording with Rebecca. And so at 12, I just got up and I took half a Xanax and I said, fuck this. (laughs) I'm going to sleep. Give me my meds. (laughs) Within 15 minutes, my ass was out. And so I'm going to call that a win for connection. Totally. You were very receptive to it's late. I need my rest and I have a really helpful tool for rest. And, and none of the breathing was working. Yeah. yeah. Like, totally I mean, my breaths were so low, but my mm-hmm. heart was racing and I was like, fuck this. Yep. <laughs> fuck this. Yep. Let's connect. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to connect to my bed for as long as possible. 
that second part of connection besides the introceptive awareness and emotion regulation, which I just have to say real quick, just because classically, right, when we think of why I need the diet, because my refrigerator controls my life or, you know, just anything with emotional eating. So highlights, all emotional eating is functional and has a beneficial purpose. So even if we are getting into eating disorder territory, there's Mm -hmm. an explanation there. It's not to say that you don't want to try to pivot to learn how to soothe in ways in addition to food, but it is a really functional human experience to to eat emotionally, right? So diet culture says, give up emotional eating forever. That would be like, don't have cake at a, at a wedding mm-hmm. because you've already had dinner. Mm-hmm. Well, that's emotional eating. We're mm-hmm. happy. We're excited. That's part of the culture and the ceremony. Or am I totally off base? No, you're, you're right. And body kindness, when I get to goal setting, I talk about, I give guidance around that. And I say, watch out for a dead person's goals, right? Yes. So, I'll never eat cake ever. <laughs> Those are avoid goals and they're rooted in restriction and self-control. Again, inner critic might say, listen, I'm trying to help you. You've never had a good experience with food at night. So don't eat past seven. Isn't this right? And isn't that the miracle diet trick, right? But you can't change with more rigid control. And so a caregiver might help you step in and say, you know, hey, thank you so much for trying to help and support me. I wonder what it is that we need right now. What might help some unmet needs, you know, with respect to this situation happening? Versus setting a restriction. Exactly. And that just kind of gives the highlights of this connect. But the brief other thing I want to say about connection, and you get that in part four of the book and where you belong I learned, and I learned it mostly through positive psychology, but I would also say, gosh, this just makes so much sense. One of my favorite people in the world and one of my favorite quotes is from Desmond Tutu, my humanity is bound up in yours for you. We can only be human together. Yes, yes. And this idea of common humanity and collective well-being. And I was like, gosh, we spend so much time on ourselves and do I fit in or not? And That's why we go on that diet, but I can't go to the reunion because I got to look a certain way. All that harm. And I was like, what about connection and belonging to others? And so there's, um, you know, I have this kind of like write down the names of people who really matter to you on a post-it note and try to, you know, send them the card in the mail or whatnot, but don't try to belong everywhere, be everybody's people pleaser. And, but this idea that there's, there's a way that we can connect to others you know, with our families and friends that really do help help us spiral up our emotions, our positive emotions. And those positive emotions can lead to positive self-care choices because we're better emotionally regulated. So that is sort of also how you you perceive what you're feeling and what you're needing through caregiving. And then you stop and think about what what's the next kind of body kindness choice in that moment. And you you nailed it with your decision. I need to sleep. I need medication. Boom, done. That's my body kindness. And then on a higher level, this idea of what does it mean to be, to belong and to have a sense of collective well-being. And I really think now more than ever, we need to find places where we feel like others care about our well-being and that we're good just as we are right now. And we can be vulnerable and share and ask for help and support each other in positive ways. So I think that's a really important value of connection. Because in the end, if we're going to say, you know, that sort of long-term happiness, it's more about a meaningful life. What are we really going to say? What do we want to say? 
I had relationships that matter. I did what I could to, sh- to show up in relationships that matter to me. And that element of it, it's through connection. And you, it's really hard to do that, to show up authentically when you're so, so, so struggling with your sense of self-worth. Body kindness will help you feel a better sense of self-worth through this learning, this practice of inner caregiving. And then really quickly on care, it's about fully committing to care for yourself and show up for yourself no matter what. Because you're human. You're not a robot. You're a human being. So this is not about making the checklist of all the mistakes you made. It's just that no matter what's going on, I will fully be here for you because I care about you. And I want to be clear because this is, you can see this happening in um, body positivity that it's almost like we're policing how people should feel. And I don't want to do that. I think that it is okay to feel exactly as you feel, including I am feeling like the only solution is to lose weight. How do you make space for that emotion and that you're not bad for having that feeling and that emotion? And I think in the care pillar, I will care for you. And I think that includes even if you're having a bad body moment, day, week, or life, or you're feeling like you want to question, but do I want to care for this body right now? Even being in question of uncertainty, ambivalence leads to decisions about change. So I think you'll get there, but that's what I mean by care. You're going to be there for yourself no matter what, because you know, you know that ultimately, even if you don't have all the answers right now, you know, deep in your heart that you deserve it. I love that. I think a lot of times when people hear that phrase, like I'm going to be there for you no matter what, it means I automatically show up 100% on board. And that's not what that means. That means that I'm here for the journey with you, right? When a friend might say like, I don't know if my marriage is going to last. And you say, I'm here for you no matter what. It doesn't mean they're going to stay married or they're going to get divorced. You know, it means whatever happens, I'm here with you. And so, you know, I think that care piece is super important, especially because I think about if somebody who maybe loses some functionality of their body to say, I'm here with you, doesn't mean they accept it. doesn't mean they feel good about it. It doesn't mean anything other than I'm here for this journey, which I think is, is a, it's a mind shift, right? Mm-hmm. I think a, a lot of times people think that it's like, I'm a hundred percent on board <laughs> and I'm there with you. Like, like they're a drill sergeant, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I think what you're describing is very important because it reminds us nobody gets a pain-free life and we have to actually make space for the pain that actually helps us suffer less intensely or that helps sort of, that helps us pivot, kind of maybe mitigate suffering a little bit because you can feel the pain, right? So we might look at suffering as when I just can't feel my pain, that's when I go to cope and numb and do all these things that when you stop and reflect in a non-judgmental way, you might make your list of like these, but Rebecca, these things don't feel like self-care. Well, that's great information. It sounds like you were able to connect to your caregiver to identify something that's really bothering you. And then when you take that, now you can use that through some of your guidance. Like you could literally just pick one thing that's bothering you and let that be your frame for how you go through the book or dip into what you want to go through, that is enough and it is meaningful yeah. because you have identified it. You're so smart. <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask a couple more questions. We'll wrap up here. Cool. How, this is a biggie. 
How do you feel people can practice body kindness when we are currently living in the global trauma of a pandemic? Mm, yeah, I think... <laughs> just a simple, just a tiny little... I could tell you three recent ways body kindness showed up for me. It was in the mint chip Klondike bar. My girls Ooh. and I all, we all had Klondikes last night while watching snippets of Hamilton. Um, okay. And there were tons of spiral ups happening <laughs> just in that, right? And it's also when I decided that it was okay to go and take some fresh air and go on a walk while I listened to a podcast that needed edits and show notes. Mm-hmm. And so being able to say, you know what, Rebecca, how'd that marathon turn out for you? Like me. <laughs> Maybe walking is okay right now, right? Yeah. But again, it's an inner critic might step in, right? What has exercise yeah. told us? Hit, hit, hit it hard. And by the way, confession, I actually do really enjoy some short hit type interval workouts. You know, I'll yeah. play ABBA or Prince or whatever. And I'll be like, push-ups for a minute. And that feels good. But in that moment, the weather nature was calling, Right. And so I yeah. would also say that is body kindness. There's a lot of work things that should, inner critic, right? Yes. Should have gotten done, or you're only a good mom if you sit down and do the math, you know? And I was like, nope, ask the neighbor, hey, can you watch the kids on their scooters? I need to take a walk. So for me, it is how do I show up given what is happening and staying connected? to that caregiver. I think what I would say to any one person is put your hands on your heart because you can already resonate from skin to skin contact. Put your hands on your heart and just soften your eyes. And just even with a gentle rocking, if you just say, I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening, and then nothing and just wait see what comes up. It might be the punisher type of clinic part that comes in, but maybe that part is trying to help. And so that pause to stop and listen, you might come to realize that what that, oh, we got to diet part, it's seeing how shitty the world is right now. And it's reminding you all the different ways you coped had to do with restriction and rules and all that stuff. So it only knows this is why you can't exist in this body or this is why you need this or that diet thing is that it's trying to help you cope with life. And by doing that, I'm listening. It might actually tell you the truth of what it's afraid of or how it's trying to help. It makes me like a little teary just to think about that. But also it makes a lot of sense because right now we're existing in a lot of restrictions and a lot of rules and a lot of fear and a lot of trauma. So it makes sense that, you know, a lot of maybe old patterns or old thought patterns are coming up for for a lot of people. I mean, not me, I'm fine. Um, (laughs) I really did enjoy this book and I'm so grateful, but you know, I also do come at every self-help with a little bit of side eye, but this is particular to me. Okay, let's hear it. So as a person who is steeped in diet culture for decades, simultaneously, I loved this book so much because you don't talk about dieting, right? But I also read it so much as like losing weight, 
which it's not. Mm -hmm. So like for somebody like me, who's Mm -hmm. steeped in decades of diet culture Mm -hmm. and who's living in this global pandemic right now Mm -hmm. where these restrictions are being triggered, Mm -hmm. like how can you recommend somebody for a listener who's going to go out and and buy this book because Mm -hmm. they want body kindness? I guess basically it's just now it's like a session for me, Rebecca, but do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I was internalizing it, even though I was aware I was internalizing it. I'm like, that's not what it's saying on the page. But mm-hmm. I still heard it as like, I don't know how better to explain that. Does that no, make sense? No, I know exactly what you mean. So one quick tip, rip uh, anything that you don't see helpful, rip out the page and burn it. And you'll probably feel oh so validated. <laughs> I love you. And toast you some more on it. Us to rip out. Look at that. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I mean, seriously, this is what I would have you think. If there is one helpful thing you got out of the conversation about the philosophy, just follow along through that. And if you if you like self-help books, what I would say is get it and, you know, as a physical thing, right? And you mentioned coming out, so it came out December 2016, so really January 2017, And there's been a lot of change even from then. But if there was one, if there was one sort of description, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm in the produce aisle trying to stick to Whole30 again, or maybe keto. Like I'd mentioned, I think Whole30, keto, intermittent fasting. There's lots of weird diets that people have been on too, but like you're there and you kind of feel stuck because it's like, wait a minute, didn't, how come I haven't had white potatoes, let alone French fries? I know that we're used to reading. That person is the author and they're saying this. So it's like, you know, for example, when I talk about like balanced plates, right? Some readers are going to feel like they always like screw it, just whatever. And they're like, this is why I need keto because I keep eating all this pasta, right? And I want that person to be able to, know themselves and see how that could be problematic. And like, what if we tried a flexible balanced plate where half that plate was pasta and then what fruit would you add or what veggie would you add? Right. But it all, that also could trigger this memory of like, is she trying to get the calories down for the Weight Watchers points and whatever, whatever. And again, so I would name that part as your rebel part mm-hmm. that is oh, trying I, I, you know, to I protect with you. Rebel. Yeah. Your rebel is doing a great job trying to protect you from all the harm and the prisons that diets have caused. Mm-hmm. And so skip over the food chapter because you just don't want to even talk about it. Right? Oh my God, Rebecca, Do you see amazing. what I'm saying? Like just I skip do. It, burn it. Burn it. Um, save it for another time. Uh, yeah. I have heard many readers say that they read it or listened to it. It's like, I didn't do any of those reflections. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so you don't want to go there. You don't want to open the box. You don't want to open the box of pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard for, right. those parts are easy for me. But the minute you're like, what about this on a plate? I'm like, you know what? <laughs> you don't tell me. First of all, I don't eat on plates. I eat out of my hands. Yes. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm, the rebel is over, overstimulated. Right. But, and then that's where I would say where I'm like, like I give an example of a body kindness manifesto because some people are like, what do you mean by that? And okay, here, here's a guide of just a guess from that space of 
diet rock bottom. So just coming off of whole 30 and it's like, but wait a minute. Cause, but don't you hear that judgment though about fat activism and body positivity? We make assumptions that fat people don't eat healthy. Fat people eat healthy. By the way, I am thin. I'm using fat in solidarity to destigmatize the word. Whatever word any listener used to. Not as an insult. Yeah, no. Right. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that for listeners because you and I would just say it all the time. And we do talk about that on on your podcast. Okay. This was great. Thank you. Thank you for letting me talk about that. It's a fair criticism. It's, I think it's very, very fair. And I think that just ignore it if it's not for you. That's the bottom line. You're so smart. I appreciate that. Okay. (laughs) Do you have any homework for me or for our listeners who might either own the book or are going to rush out and buy it? Yes. So what I would say is give yourself, kind of create a nice little space. And ideally I do recommend about 15 minutes because something happens in the word vomit at around 14 minute, 14 to 15. But take a first guess and just write a letter from your inner caregiver. Oh, all right. You know? All right, I'll do so that. So maybe kind of like take five or so deep breaths if, if you're already into a meditation that you want to do because you really like that. But like kind of get yourself to feeling cozy and non-judgmental, and just let the words come out, but from your inner caregiver. And I don't even want to give more to that like completely directed to body kindness because your caregiver is going to say what your caregiver wants to say. She's already talking in my brain and she's already telling me what a great job I've been doing during the pandemic. Yay, see? I mean, see? And of course, I'm always like, well, look at my apartment. Oh, bitch, <laughs> she's telling you, you did a yes. good job. Yes, I love it. Rebecca, mm-hmm. thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. This has truly, truly been a joy. Again, the link to your book and your website and the episode that I am on your podcast, the Body Kindness Podcast, will be in show notes. And I'm just so grateful that you could spend some time with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. As we end every podcast, if you'll join me, life is abundant. Go Help Yourself was produced by Misty Stinnett and Lisa Linky. Our theme song was written by the inimitable Matt Saff. Inimitable. There's nothing we love more than hearing from you. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. We're also at gohelpyourselfpodcast on Instagram and at ghypodcast on Twitter. And you can go old school and check out our website at gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. It basically is a fancy PowerPoint slide. If you liked our podcast, <laughs> please subscribe, rate, and review because it helps helps other people find our show. You know who else needs to find it? Your friends. Tell all of your friends. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.